Welcome to Words Matter with Katie Barlow and Joe Lockhart. Let me begin where the appointment order begins, and that is interference in the 2016 presidential election. As alleged by the grand jury in an indictment, Russian intelligence officers who were part of the Russian military launched a concerted attack on our political system. The indictment alleges that they used sophisticated cyber techniques to hack into computers and networks used by the Clinton campaign. They stole private information and then released that information through fake online identities and through the organization WikiLeaks. The releases were designed and timed to interfere with our election and to damage a presidential candidate. And at the same time as the grand jury alleged in a separate indictment, a private Russian entity engaged in a social media operation where Russian citizens posed as Americans in order to influence an, an election. And I will close by reiterating the central allegation of our indictments that there were multiple systematic efforts to interfere in our election. And that allegation deserves the attention of every American. Joe and I are honored to welcome our next guest to the show. Kathleen Hall Jameson is the Elizabeth Ware Packard Professor of Communication at the University of Pennsylvania's Annenberg School for Communication, the director of the Annenberg Public Policy Center, and program director of the Annenberg Retreat at Sunnylands. Professor Jameson has authored or co-authored 16 books, and her most recent title is Cyber War, How Russian Hackers and Trolls Helped Elect a President. Professor Jameson, welcome to Words Matter. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Professor Jameson, I'm going to do what some authors hate, but I, I'm going to go like to the back page of the book and start at the back and ask you a simple question. Did the concerted Russian effort across all fronts, and we'll get into each of the fronts that you talk about in your book, did it turn the election? Did it push it one way or the other? And I'm asking in the context of as a political operative, I've looked at this and been highly suspicious, but had no data. to. So it was an argument between me and my Republican friends. You've actually dug into this the way you have on so many other subjects. How would you answer that question? The answer to the question is that it probably did, but we don't have the evidence to say that it certainly did. And the level of certainty of the various answers differs. So first we've got the trolls in cyberspace. They're pretending to be us. And the we have a theory of the election underlying their messaging that suggests that they were pretty smart. They were targeting the voters that Trump needed to mobilize, demobilize, and shift. They had enough messaging out there, and the messaging was well calibrated. It was consistent with Trump's messages, in other words. So they weren't so much supplementing as they were amplifying. But what we don't know is, did they reach the right voters in the right swing states? So the case there is iffy. It's a might have been, but we don't really know. Hacker's case, much stronger. Because there, the impact is able to be seen all over the media agenda. Mainstream news altered its media agenda in response to hack content. In particular— And when, when you say the hackers, you mean the, the DNC emails, the mm-hmm. John Podesta emails? Mm-hmm. Russian operatives hacked the Democrats and then released through three front groups. Ultimately, WikiLeaks is the one that has the greatest impact. And in the process, at one key moment, if you remember the Access Hollywood tape, which 
introduced new vulgarities into the news stream and raised questions for reporters about should we use those words in print. Some did, some didn't. On that day, you had the confirmation from our intelligence services that the Russians had hacked. Not that they were trying to help Trump or hurt Clinton, just something that they'd hacked. Then the Access Hollywood tape breaks and the Washington Post story that accompanied it. And within an hour, the Podesta hacked content is dropped into the media stream. That of itself created a change that was dramatic. Now, you've been a political operative for a long time. Think about the news agenda on that Friday. You've got the Russians did it and Access Hollywood. Going into that weekend, that Sunday, and those two things happened on Friday, that Sunday is the second debate, October 9th. The news agenda would have been dramatically anti-Trump. The Russians did it. Why did they do it? Why did they do it? What do we know? What's the disadvantage for you know, Hillary Clinton? What's the advantage for Trump? And then secondly, Access Hollywood, is this campaign going to survive? We know from the Woodward book that there was talk in the Republican high command about the possibility that they would simply try to move Trump off the top of the ticket, move Pence up, move Condi Rice in as the VP nominee. It was that serious. Into that environment, what the hacked content did was counterbalance the news narrative. So now there was a problem for Trump and a problem for Clinton. And the news reporters largely talked about in tactical terms, what would their campaigns do? Would the Trump campaign survive? How would Clinton cope? Not did the Russians do the hacking. We lost the Russians. As a result, we lost the sourcing and changed the news agenda in a way that may have saved the Trump's candidacy. And we lost the moral and character argument that Access Hollywood raised, and it became a political tactical argument over Mm -hmm. which of these things hurt the candidacy more, something that Donald Trump had said and which I think reflected his values or something that was hacked by the Russians, stolen, and dumped on the Democrats in order to hurt Hillary Clinton and help Donald Trump. And so one of the questions you ask when you look at just that weekend is, had the hacked content not been released, what would the effects have been? Now, you've got a counterfactual. Basically, you're saying, well, what if? But what I can tell you what happened is the news agenda was different than it otherwise would have been. And I can tell you as well, as can all the other scholars who've looked at it, that in the intervening days between that October 7th first release and the election, the news agenda was tilted against Hillary Clinton in ways it would not have been had it not been for the regular release of the content. So among other things, the Access Hollywood story pretty much disappeared from news, but that regular release kept it in public awareness. So there's an effect there, and changes in media agenda change what we think about when we vote. People think when they think about voting, they're thinking about everything, but they're not. They're thinking about a limited number of considerations. And if I can make one more salient and it hurts Hillary Clinton, I increase the likelihood that's there when you think about voting. And remember in this election, three things were true. We had more independence than usual. That means they're less anchored to party. We had high disaffection with both candidates. That means if you can increase the negative is about one, you're giving a default vote. Basically, I'm going to vote against that person even though I don't like them both. And as a result, coming into Election Day, we had a high number of undecideds in those last weeks in which all that Russian content is making some difference in news. So higher likelihood we could actually persuade people. And then in that environment, we have early voting, which means across that month, 45 million ballots are cast while those streams are in there potentially influencing. Did that make a difference? More than probably. You're now moving toward it's getting pretty likely. And then finally, you've got the possibility that James Comey made public his decision 
by telling Congress that he was reopening the Clinton email investigation uh, because there may have been Russian disinformation sitting in the background that he was afraid would be released and would discredit the Justice Department and because he thought Hillary Clinton was going to be elected might discredit her as president. Let me ask one other broad question, which you I think you've answered a little bit, but I, would, I want to put it to you and then I'm going to uh, turn it over to Katie. What was it about 2016 that made the cyber attacks and the Russian attacks so effective? We know that other countries have, have attacked our system, have tried to interfere before, but I'm not aware of a time where that interference was so effective and so pervasive. What was it about what was going on here at home that made this one such a difference maker? The Russians got lucky. The highly polarized environment, lots of divisions already at play. They didn't create them. They exploited them. And when you exploit those divisions and you increase the sense that we're at odds against each other, that anxiety works against the incumbent party and the incumbent party's heir apparent, Hillary Clinton. So some people argue, well, the Russians were just trying to sow discord for much of this. And they were for much of this trying to sow discord. But who's advantaged and disadvantaged by the sowing of discord is a really important question. My assumption is it's the incumbent party. Why were they able to do what they were able to do? The platforms were sitting ducks. The platforms weren't set up to handle political content. They were set up to sell us to advertisers. And as a result, they aggregate like-minded people in groups in which you can amplify content really readily. We know negative content shares more rapidly. It's also more persuasive. And that's why we see so much more attack than we see per dollar spent in politics. But we also know that they had targeting capacities that were set up to help advertisers reach us that didn't require that you know a lot about how to reach an electorate. I want to go back to Joe's original point and touch on one thing from the book before before we let you go. We know, you say in the book, we can't know for certain if the cyber war changed the outcome of the 2016 election. But what about who did it? Can we be certain about how high up this went within the Russian government? Those are two different questions. Um, I think, and one of the things that's that's interesting about talking about levels of certainty is most of our life, we make most of our decisions based on far less than certain evidence. So right now what we have is a confirmation from our intelligence agencies that the Russians did it, and there's no dissent inside our intelligence agencies. Secondly, we have the platforms tracking this material back to Russian computers. So there is a second independent form of corroboration. Um, and third, you have Pulitzer-hungry reporters who, if it wasn't Russia, probably would have figured that out by now and as a result would have told us that. My presumption is, yes, Russia did it, Roger Stone to the contrary. But – We do not, with that same level of confirmation and certainty, know that Putin personally directed it. There's an inference that says, given the way Russia operates, the likelihood that this was approved at the top and that it could not have happened were it not is what we're dealing with. I'm perfectly comfortable saying it's highly likely that Putin approved of this, but there's a difference in the level of certainty. What I put at the beginning of the book were some quotes that include some quotes from Vladimir Putin. I think he's having a lot of fun with us. He's hinted broadly that the Russians actually did it, even as he's denied it. He suggested at one point, and I love this moment because a reporter asked a two-part question. And Putin, in the answer to the question, might have been answering one part, might have been answering the other part, depending on what you think he was answering. Now, that depending on whether you think he understands English. In other words, if he understands English in the question, we know he's answering both of them. He either admitted that they were deliberately trying to do this in order to elect Donald Trump, or he didn't admit that at that point. So the question becomes, when listening to Vladimir Putin, who's a KGB agent, 
When do you trust him? When do you, when do you not? And it's a little like doing a three-dimensional puzzle. And my assumption is there's very little about Vladimir Putin in public that has said that he hasn't thought out carefully. And I think he's got some what amount to confessions in the public record that say, yeah, I knew, yeah, I did it, and yeah, I got away with it. Thank you for listening to Words Matter. Please rate and review Words Matter on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers.